0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms. Over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.
2: And welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. Thanks for sticking with us. We are in Charlotte at Vonterra Dining and Wine Room with Chef Blake Hartwick. Thanks again, Blake, for being on. Of course. And I'm here with my co host, Kat Johnson. <laughs> as Hello. Always. Hello. So we just heard from our sponsor. They are Springer Mountain Farms. We're really, really grateful to them for the opportunity to come down Absolutely. to Charlotte and speak with you. I saw that you have a Springer dish on the menu. Um, can you tell us for, about the dish for a second?
1: Yes, we um we've kind of found a um a good uh, relationship with Springer. So we throughout the year we'll do different different cuts of, of chicken from them. Right now we're doing a a braised airline breast with um
2: Can I put just stop you there to ask what's an airline breast?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's a um <laughs> it's it's kinda like one of those um quirky names that somebody came up with but it's just a um it's just the uh the breast with the wing still attached and then we french it down so you know it um does a little better presentation (laughs) you know and we've actually had people butcher the wing off and ask them you know and and they were like what is this i'm like well that's how the chicken comes it comes with (laughs) The wing, and it's connected to the breast, <laughs> and the breast is connected to the you the know the wing so bones so. connected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chicken anatomy lesson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's why you have it on the plate, kind of thing. But no, it's um,
2: is it called airline because of the wing?
1: Yes. Um, yeah. I'll remember. Yeah, that there's now. some funny little. Um, I don't know who comes up with some of the you know it's like a bistro fillet and things like that you know uh-huh. it's like so yeah that's just one of the names that that was told to me when we were getting the, these cuts of chicken. So okay, that's how so, we worded.
2: <laughs> Sorry for the interruption. There, oh, I had no. to know. OK, so the, the dish, the complete dish, is what again?
1: So we, our airline breast right now, um, we serve it with like a parsley nage over um, some toasted uh, risotto, uh, crispy Brussels, and hen-in-the-woods mushrooms with a little sage velouté wow. or gravy, as we would say in the South. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh-huh. I need the translation. Yeah.
2: Thank, you. Thank you. Thanks for... You guys are teaching me bit by bit. Yes. <laughs> I will not be completely lost by the time we leave here. Um, so I wanted to get into your menu a little bit more in detail. Um, how often is your menu changing, and what's your favorite dish that's on it right now?
1: Um, you know, I I don't ever... Now, you know, when we were alluding to um, a few minutes ago on the first segment, I don't necessarily wake up and say, okay, I want to do this and do that. I, I let the farmers kind of dictate, you know, what, what we're going to do, you know, what's around, what they have, um, this, that, and the other. So, um, you know, right now with the, um, with the little fried green tomato and the pickled shrimp, that's kind of a, f- a fun little kick, you know, with uh, South Carolina shrimp. You know, we're just getting it in and pickling it. It's very – whoops – Something There's a real the kitchen. kitchen hat back there. Yeah,
3: if you're wondering, we're really here, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so you know, um, the changings of the season, you know, always, you know, I'm always super excited in the spring and the fall. Those are like my two favorite, um, seasons of the year because the the new bounty of things that are that are coming around, you know, it's, it's just great. You know, you get this the super sweet sugary things that are in the fall, like all the root vegetables and things like that. And then in springtime, you know, we get great lettuces and asparagus and strawberries and stuff like that. We've had a little bit of some weird weather here, um, which was great for some things and not good for others. And that's how it always is in life. But we had like a really late snowfall in March, like in January and February. There was 70 degree days when I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, are the farmers freaking out Are they, you know, what's, you know, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden we and as usual in march we will always have snow in the carolinas mm-hmm. it's been that way since i've always been here and we had that snowfall and it kind of up around this way not necessarily down in south carolina and georgia but uh we we hit the frost um levels a couple of times so we lost some peaches and strawberries and mm-hmm. stuff like that but overall it was okay we didn't um we didn't lose a whole lot, but there was a lot of farmers that were covering things, and uh, we were worried about worried about it a little bit. But it's it's turned out okay this year.
2: Yeah, we were worried for you guys for a little while. We did a little bit of coverage, Cat and I, on our show, oh, okay. uh, which is the HR and Happy Hour, talking to uh, some like a, a food distributor who works with peach farmers in Georgia, and yeah. trying to see what the impact of that was, and. Uh, we've just been I think keeping they a were close eye okay, on the that weather. Far, far yeah, it, did, it didn't seem like uh, it was as devastating as we were kind of worried that it might be. Right. Um, but it was like same time that there was crazy flooding in California, and it seems like you know after like March was just crazy everywhere. But it seems like we kind of like stabilized now, hopefully, and um, you know hopefully that we can plant our crops a little bit better for yeah. the. Uh, late spring and summer. Yeah, absolutely. So we have our fingers crossed. Yeah,
1: it's been really dry here now. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, we had tons of rain in March and April and then it just stopped. So it's going to be that typical year of where we're probably going to be running low on, um, we'll get the summer, you know, the, the summer thunderstorms and rain, but it, it's just looking like it's going to be that, that kind of year where it's just going to be on and off with the weather. So, well, you know, what do you do? <laughs> what can you do? Here we are. Yeah.
3: Uh, so, go ahead, Kat. Yeah, I want to ask you more about the uh, the steak that you're cooking back in the kitchen. We just had some very delicious meat. Um, you actually are cooking them in a wood fired oven. Mm-hmm. So tell us why that's the way you choose to cook your steak.
1: Well, originally, when we opened the restaurant, you know, we had um, a wood fire, or, or when we still do, sorry, we have a wood fired oven and a wood fired grill, um, and when the oven got put in, I was like, we're not doing pizza, you know, because automatically you see a wood fired oven, you're like, okay, we're gonna do like we've never cooked pizza in that oven. We have um, some really nice cast iron skillets from Lodge that we use; they're flat flat skillets so we keep those in the wood in the in our wood oven and it gets up to about 800 degrees so we'll just leave those in a corner and just let them sit all night and you know obviously throughout the night we'll be rotating pans in and out but that's what we'll cook like you know our veal chop or our fillets on you know high heat quick kind of cooking um technique and then everything else with our kansas city strip and our ribeyes you know we'll, we'll cook on the wood grill so um like I said, not everybody has that great option, and you know we certainly embrace it. That we we cook a lot of stuff on that, uh, you know, with the wood.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you're keeping the cast iron in the oven for the whole night, does that also impart a wood smoke flavor onto the pan? Does that ever carry
3: across?
1: Um, you know, that's a good question. I those pans that we have they're probably close to, like, they just, they don't break. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> it's one thing that I've noticed. and I cannot for the life of me remembered. I don't think I've ordered any, any of those pans in probably 15 years, but the, the longevity of them, they're definitely seasoned. We don't take them in the back and have a guy scrub them out or wash them. We just know we um we wipe them off every time they come out so there's definitely definitely lots of flavor on that i mean you have to think 10 15 plus years using the same 20 pans that we have um it's like a cast iron skill it's the same exact thing you take care of it you're just adding so much um what is the word i'm looking for layers of you know of flavor to it it, it
3: that too yeah yeah but it's, it's like a Uh, a crust almost it's like
1: yeah it's like um you know just layers of you know just the year and it you know uh, with the cast iron pan you know you 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 never ever run it put it in water you know Mm -hmm. always put salt on it if you need to kind of clean it up a little bit and then scrape it up a little bit but Mm -hmm. just just make sure they don't get wet and rust and they'll last you longer than you will live yeah (laughs) yeah
2: and I, I've also definitely rescued some cast iron pants Good that roommates you. have mistreated yeah. terribly. Left
1: them out in the rain, um, partying one night kind of thing, and you like, come out like, like, a, like a week come later. Like I come downstairs
2: and I've been away and my roommate's like, Oh yeah, I was leaving it to soak from last weekend.
1: And I'm like, sitting oh, in an no. inch of water. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Oh my
2: god. <laughs> yeah. Um but they're like they just bounce right back. I mean there's like some elbow grease involved, but it's really incredible and I love that you are actually, you know, always supervising these pans and taking care of them, yeah. it's not like when you're sharing with, with like random Craigslist people, um, that I think it's really, really special that the flavors that are caked onto those are yours, and you've yeah. had control over that for such a long time. Yeah. I think that's something a little that little is... It's the little things, you know, that Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's maybe not deliberate, but um, it, it is definitely your signature and something that nobody else could ever replicate. So I think that's super cool. Um, well, and, and so like speaking of, uh, kind of signature techniques, what can you tell us about your dry aging program?
1: Well, uh, without going into <laughs> too much detail, um, with HACCP plans and stuff like that, uh. w- that we're working on currently, um, we're, we're not, we're not doing that here in house. It's, um, it's just a whole nother can of worms, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. um, and we're definitely not going to um, be sneaking stuff in the basement and having like little, you know, sneaky trap doors and things like that. Not that I'm saying anybody else has definitely, ever done that, but definitely
2: not a thing that um, anybody would ever do.
1: Right, right, yeah, nobody would ever do that, you know, curing meats or anything like that. But um, here in um, here in uh, in Charlotte Mecklenburg County. Um, the health inspectors are pretty keen. They walk in the door. They look at your menu. They see what's on the menu. They start asking you where it came from. Mm-hmm. Where's this, you know, bread and butter pickle? Uh, where's this, uh, you know, torchon of foie gras? You know, where's the creme fresh? You know, who made uh, you? You bought the creme fresh, right? You didn't make it. And if you made it, you don't. You have to have a HACCP plan for it. You mm-hmm. know, so Mecklenburg County is pretty daggone strict about stuff like that. So we've learned the hard way um to take the right measures and have the people um, dry age our steaks outside of the restaurant because mm-hmm. we just um we just don't want to get into that yeah. you know that liability um a lot of other things that we we do here in house you know we bake all our own breads we um we pickle um you know a lot of a lot of our, uh, we, you know, we do bread and butter pickles, um, okra, green beans. You know, we, we do all that stuff. That's, mm-hmm. that's not a big deal. But we've, uh, we've had some, some near and dear friends, like, getting in a lot of trouble here in Charlotte. Not that yeah. they're trying to, you know, do anything wrong. But in the eyes of the health department, it's mm-hmm. not
2: cool. Yeah, that's rough. So, I mean, we talk a lot about food regulation and yeah. the impact on, on preserving our been, heritage and food culture. Yeah. It's always going to be a little bit at odds, and I think uh, yeah, we'll learn over time like how to have kind of progressive policies that let you know professional food handlers use centuries of tradition to make safe foods. Uh, but I think there's a lot of growing pains in that space.
1: Yeah, once you start getting into... Um, County and then federal, you know, there's, there's two, there's two, two, two people, you know, you have the FDA and then you have the, you know, the the local County Mounties as I call them, (laughs) you know, that look at, um, that come in and inspect your stuff. You have to, um, definitely have to make sure that, uh, you're doing things in the correct way. We've had, um, the DNC here a few years back and, with all the heavy catering and the inspection of things that were going out, you know, you'd have to go through a police task force. Everything had to be x-rayed, looked at. Had to put a special band around all the hot boxes. Like if you went wow. and did a catering in uptown Charlotte, you know, for uh, President Obama doing going for his second, you know, term. Uh, anything that went downtown had to go through a certain area before you got into Charlotte. So. We had federal health inspectors, county health inspectors, um, and that's when it really took a big turn, and they've never looked back. It's so we're not hiding anything. We're um, we're we're all legit here. <laughs> we don't we don't want to get caught up in that situation because they'll yeah. check your Facebook too. You know they'll go on Facebook and see. Oh, I just did. Um, you know, I just sous vide it some, whatever you want to call it, and. They might be in your restaurant the next My day saying where that came literally from. literally
3: just dropped. That is, that's <laughs> wild that they would no, Welcome the 21st deep.
1: century, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all out there. It's, it's all out there. No joke. I'm not kidding.
2: Yeah. I mean, we live in the digital age and everything you put on the yep. internet, guys.
1: Say no to it's Say Facebook. no to social media. <laughs> <laughs> that's his message.
2: Um, well, you recently said no to Facebook, as I understand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really remarkable, and uh, I think you know we'll we'll learn a lot in the next five ten years, yeah. and uh, I I think that you know we'll strike a balance eventually. But
1: you know, and the funny thing is, I want to keep dragging this this thing about you know inspections and thing about that. But you know, I've traveled. I'm sure all of us have gone to um, Europe or in some time or the other. And um, you know, I did some stages in Spain. We had a tapas restaurant for a while. Uh, one of my near and dear friends is a, um, an importer, and he lives in Charlotte for Spanish and French wine. So he has lots of connections. And, um, you know, the three times that I was in Spain going through the, uh, the boquerias, you know, in the markets and stuff, in the middle of July, looking at, you know, Iberic primo hams hanging and it's like an upside down sombrero underneath it, collecting all the fat dripping off of it in a 95 degree July day. And the first time I saw that, I was like, the health inspectors in Charlotte would shit their pants if they saw this right now. Yeah. For sure. But everybody's been doing it for 400 years there. Nobody's died. And guess you know? what?
3: We're all fine.
1: Yeah. And I bet you it was exactly. so
3: delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you that ham it's tasted it amazing. It. Yeah.
1: yeah. But it's just little <laughs> things like that. You know, it's, it's it does kind of suck. You know, I, I get their... I get their point. You know, they don't want anybody to get sick. They they are the health department, sure. but um, just stop stop tracking people. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just let us cook.
2: Big brother. Well, um, um, I I
3: want to ask you about um, the the your wine program here. Um, you have a very long by the glass list. Yes. Why is that important to Bonterra?
1: Well, first and foremost, um, JD, the owner John Duncan, is always, that's, uh, he spent lots of time out in Napa Valley, went to the CIA out there and that's always kind of been, um, that's been his baby. So we do, we have a hundred whites by the glass, a hundred reds by the glass and. Incredible. Unfortunately, people that are listening can't see, but where the altar used to be, we have two cabinets. And let's say you went into a conv- like a Seven Eleven or a convenience store mm-hmm. where you have the open-air um, refrigerators where you could, like, grab a ham and turkey sandwich or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we have here, and they're both temperature-controlled to settings for white wine and red wine. So that's how we're able to keep them, and then we gas them with nitrogen, you know, every night. So mm-hmm. um, it's... And JD's... Uh, his JD is a connoisseur of wine. He loves collecting wines and having great wines. And uh, you know, if anything's starting to go, that's where he comes into play to to drink it all. So you know, it, it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's it's not a I bad deal. It's that. not a bad deal uh-huh.
2: at uh-huh. all. And how also how like, long does a nitrogen filled bottle keep?
1: <sighs> like three to four days okay. at the most. Yeah. yeah, but generally, like you know, and. It, and and it's and it's an evolving thing like in the middle of the winter when it's really cold out people are going to lean toward red wines now um, now that it's warmer out you know let's let's say in february we might have one or two rosés now i mean we're just piling up rosés cuz that 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 pink wine has you know been kind of the the thing in the last couple of years so we we do you know with the season especially down here in the south you know we we kind of cut back on some and add to others so we're not, you know, just constantly keeping the same wines. And JD's always made a conscious effort to not necessarily, to to have cult wines that we can, you know, that you won't see in a grocery store, that you won't see in Total Wine or a a Costco or something like that. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, when you walk through a grocery store, you're like, that bottle of blah, blah, blah is $23 and it's, 40 some dollars at a restaurant, well, that is true, but at the same time... That's not a
2: bad markup.
1: Right, <laughs> right, true. but at the same time, there are so many other wines out there that a lot of people don't know anything about, and that's what we're here. You know, it's like, okay, well, if you like, you know, really, really good Spanish Old Vine Grenache that's starting to come around now, people are, you know, starting to drink Old World, you know, heavy mineral um, very chewy wines because the American palate was always California wines and more lighter not just big bold you know old world wines it's we try to keep up with that and we we make a conscious effort to to offer that to people because you know um, everybody's gonna drink their their good old you know Stromsberg um, you know sparkling wine or there's Sainsbury Pinot Noir which you can find all over the place. And we we have that here and there every once in a while but we try to really display and show some things that are off the radar that you don't normally see, you know, in in restaurant or excuse me in, in grocery stores and stuff like that.
3: So do you do a lot of wine education with your staff so that they all your servers know this full
1: list? Um we, we do lineups. We don't necessarily and this is kind of a, a funny thing, like all our servers have been here minimum of three to four years our our lead servers been here for s- eight years Wow like we we have like a, a pretty solid family with um, the, the turnovers not a not a, a big turnover like um, our servers um, kind of kind of know what we do and we kind of know what they do so um I don't really keep up. I mean, y'all y'all see the, the wine list. I mean, it's literally a yard long yeah. Yeah. and a half yard wide. Yeah. And you, if you don't have good vision, you better put your glasses on and, and really look at it. So it's hard for me to keep up because I have enough to keep up with. But JD's constantly changing it weekly. Yeah. Pulling some on, pulling some off, putting stuff down in the cellar, moving stuff around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's wine. <laughs> it's kind of like... Um, uh, like a hoarder, like, oh, what's up in the <laughs> ceiling here? I just got a, you know, ball of 89 Coats de You know, yeah. it's like there's stuff all over the place This here. is the
3: place to come in Charlotte if you want to explore wine. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Just Bar none, try, without a doubt.
3: try different new things.
1: There's still nobody. I think there might be one or two restaurants in the country that do, you know, 200 by the glass.
2: Yeah, and, and your staff is awesome from our quick experience here of uh, really... Being generous about offering a taste, uh, because the list is so yeah. mind-boggling, it's really great to just like be like, I have no idea what this is. I don't know if I'm gonna like it, and they're they're great about like, oh, just try it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See what you like. And we pour big here. We don't um we don't give you like the little chintzy three or four <laughs> ounce pour. we we'll, generally you'll get out of a bottle of wine, you'll get three pours. Usually it's four, you know. So we um we that's been JD's motto, you know, let's, we want, we want you to not just get a little something and you're like, I mean, you know, um,
3: I've heard that's called a club pour. I've heard that recently.
1: Yeah. That's I like that. Yeah. The the big one
3: or the small one? The big one. Yeah. I love that. It's like a country club pour. And
1: and you know what? It's funny you say that. And I kind of hate using that phrase, but with, (laughs) with the, um, with the, uh, you know, with the friends and family we've had over the years, it sometimes kind of is like that, you know, where, um, we'll, you know, we have the same, same, you know, family that comes in, um, you know, week after week, or we'll see him once or twice a month. And, you know, JD will sit down and bring a bottle over and. Walk away and that's it. You know, you don't, you're not paying for it tonight. Nor, nor are you paying for your dinner kind of thing. And that's how we've always, we've, we've rolled around here. We're not operators crunching numbers, making sure everything is, JD's never, never been that way. And, um, and it kind of, it trickles down, you know, we're not, we're not trying to chinch you to, yeah. say, the, to yeah. say the least.
2: <laughs> well, the feeling comes across. Uh, it's, it's so peaceful here and really like first time we really feel like we're really part of it um, I want to talk about one more dish very quickly and then we have to move to our rapid fire oh question boy. round and wrap up our episode um, but just tell us about the grouper dish that we were so lucky to try um, and uh, also I think grouper is, tends to be a, a really big fish so what does that look like when
1: you get it um <clears throat> It, it can be, um, you can get up into the mutton stage of grouper, which we kind of try to stay away from <laughs> anything that's old and big sometimes isn't the best yeah. per se, but Tim has brought us some 45, 50 pound groupers and that's kind of, um, and, and he also brings, uh, you know, black bass, um, vermilion snapper, amberjack, mm. swordfish, anything like anything that you know that while he's out he's catching you know so this time it's it's grouper but we've always uh always had really good um really good ex, uh relationship with Tim he's brought us like i said some groupers that you know when you open their mouth i wish i could show y'all some pictures uh, so you could see him on the radio but um <laughs> like they're they're as big as a soccer ball when you open their mouths, you know. Wow. We actually got one in one time where he had caught one and as he was reeling it in, it ate another smaller grouper. So when the grouper when he <laughs> ate
2: is a cannibal.
1: Right. So when he caught this grouper, it was like thirty or forty pounds and he was reeling it in, it ate another grouper and so he brought brought the fish in. He was like, I'm giving you two for one special today. <laughs> And it was just kind of hilarious, you know. He's like, I'm giving you two fish for the price of one. And I was wow. like, that's kind of weird in a minute, but all right, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with that. It's <laughs>
3: like a weird fisherman, like fisherman's tail that, like, he could totally back up. He's yeah. like, here well, you I, go. Cut it like, well, open and see. Yeah. Right.
1: But then I bitched him out. I was like, I only got one for one because the fish went in head first into the f- big grouper's mouth. And I couldn't pull it out because its dorsal fins were, like, caught Stop. up. And it was like, so I got nothing out of that fish, man, except, you know, I made, uh, we made stock with it, but that was (laughs) it. So, but no, we, no, we, we, it's, it's funny. Like the relationship that we have with people like Tim and um, like Dover Farms and uh, like, you know, a bunch of our friends here, it's, it's always um, poking good fun. But at the end of the day, we all know we, we have, um, we have a, you know, we're, we're the ambassadors of of quality and, and, and we want, we want like there's nothing else that we want to do more in Charlotte than put this place on a map for being a culinary destination. Cause there are a lot of restaurants that, um, that are worthy, you know, you go to New York and you pay a certain amount. Um, I was just talking to a, a chef of mine, but y'all have an overhead that is astronomical. I mean, when you have to pay a certain amount a month, you have to charge a certain amount a month, you know, or a certain amount on your, on your, on your dish. And, um, it's, it's becoming like that here I mean you know um, restaurant space is 36 forty dollars a square foot here wow. and um, it's not too far away for most major cities so the golden days are kind of gone but we're we own this place we've owned it forever we're not Perfect. we're not paying the man we don't owe anything to anybody we write everything CoD <laughs> and we're just rolling we're just having a good time yeah. so well. it's good it's good. It's good uh, to be in that boat sometimes. It really is. Way
2: to go. We're so lucky to be here tonight. Thanks. Uh, Kat, do you want to take it away with our rapid fire Let's do some rapid
3: fire questions. Okay. Okay. Our first one. These are are all pretty easy.
1: Okay. I've heard this before, (laughs) doing rapid fire with y'all in the past. Uh
3: We we don't put a lot of pressure on it. Um, Okay. The first question is, what was your last great bite?
1: What was my last great bite, I would have to say I was at a restaurant called um, Agua in Beaufort, North Carolina. I did Beaufort food and wine. And um, I'd never been to Beaufort in my entire life. It's about five hours from here. It's on the. It's on the right above, like two hours above Wilmington. It's kind of right on the cusp of North Carolina, Virginia coast. Fishing town like a mini version of Charleston, but not all the glitz and glamor and the money, like all the old homes are preserved. They have the plaques of when they were built and all that fun stuff, but it's still a fishing town, but they have a great wine and food festival. And uh, we went out and had dinner one night with some friends and um, they were getting ready to close and I felt awful. And I was like, we're going to sit down, we're going to order like, give us two seconds and like, cause I don't, I hate being that person because I hate people that do that. You know, we close at 10 and people walk in at nine fifty nine and they sit there for 45 minutes. That's fine. You know, but I wouldn't, I don't like doing that. <laughs> so I was like, just send out whatever you want. And they sent out and it was top of small plates and it was great. Um, I think, uh, and, it, and a lot of it has to do too with, um, where you're at, what kind of enjoyment you're having and being with friends and it and then the food captures it if it's good it just makes it all worthwhile
3: what was like one dish there you had that was like stellar
1: i hate to say this (laughs) oh god i hate to say this and people are probably going to kill me but the shrimp and grit dish that they had there was was unlike anything i ever had before it was and um there's two things that i eat all the time that were the two best things that I probably ever had, were the shrimp and grits, and then uh, a friend of mine, Sam Jones, that does barbecue. Uh, it was kind of like a um, you, when you're all in Charleston, you know, you had the um, uh, the, via, uh, the 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 party, you know, for all the mm-hmm. for all the chefs and stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, he was one of the he did a lot of the food for you know the the uh, the after party and showed up, did the whole hog, you know that morning through it and then pulled it off that night. And it was Sam pulls up with, you know, his chopping block and everything. And then like went and got a plate and I was tired, you know, we've been doing food and wine thing all, all day. And, you know, uh, it was pretty warm out and it was probably, and I eat lots of barbecue and this is the Mecca of barbecue where we are. It was probably, probably one of the two best things I had in a long time wow. so it was yeah. definitely memorable high price yeah
3: <laughs> okay what is in your fridge at home
1: right now mm-hmm. I have <laughs> a strawberry and buttermilk pie that Ooh. probably I should finish it tonight yeah um, let's see What else do I have in the fridge? Uh, A bunch of stuff for my daughter because she has uh, some allergies. So we always do, we always kind of cook for her in the beginning of the week. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of this company because I'm addicted to their pizza. It is. um, Roberta's. No, (laughs) no, they make, oh gosh, it is killing me. I wish I would have known this question. Cause I'd love their pizza. It's a um, one of my friends, Jamie, that was just on Top Chef. Loves their pizza too. It was um, oh gosh, but it's a um, it's like a truffle mushroom. Um, it's like a white truffle mushroom pizza. It'll come to me as soon as we're done with the show. But I always keep two of those in the freezer, like in case of just. I don't keep a lot of stuff in my you know in the fridge. So because I'm just I work a lot and. Usually when I come home, like, it's pretty late. So it's generally beer and some condiments. Yeah, and the strawberry buttermilk pie.
3: <laughs> okay, what was your favorite childhood meal? Hmm.
1: Favorite childhood meal, I would definitely say would be probably cinnamon toast crunch and meatloaf.
2: <laughs> right there with Classic. you. That's my guilty pleasure. Classic.
1: Now my daughter has, you know, she has some like peanut allergies, that and the other. So um, my fiance and I were um, at Whole Foods and we found this, not Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but it's like the...
2: The Cascadian Farms one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, as a grown ass woman, eat that. Yeah. (laughs) I
1: just had that last week. and it reminded me of being a kid because I didn't eat it immediately. I just kind of let it get a little mm-hmm. soggy and then I just ate all the cereal. And then the savior moment was drinking the cinnamon milk, you mm. know, and all mm. that. because I was like, it just reminded me of being a kid. And it's funny yeah. that you asked me that question, but, um, yeah. Thank you for helping me with the name of that cereal. Yeah.
2: I'm right there with
3: you. We'll put that. All right. Last, last question. Um, what is the go-to family meal at Bonterra? Pasta. Oh, that's a good pasta, answer.
1: Pasta, pasta. Should have been here
3: yes. for family meal.
1: Yeah. It's, it's always pasta generally. Um, just because, uh, and that's and that's one of the cool things. Like that's how I started cooking because I had to cook family meal at Bistro 100. That was the first restaurant in the first segment that I talked about, where the French chef, you know, walked around and this, that, and the other. And I was in charge of making soup and doing family meal. And to me, that was a big part of learning how to go in the walk-in, and not obviously you can't just pick whatever you want, but things that you know maybe we had from a a, a buffet or a wedding or something. Okay, well put this together and see what you can come up with kind of thing. And that's what family Mill's is all about. You know? Right.
2: Amazing. Yeah. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Blake for having us here tonight and for doing thank another you. interview with you. always a pleasure.
1: Love having y'all love being, um, on the show with y'all in, in Charleston and, um, big supporter, supporter.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I hope we see you again at the festival, but hopefully before then you'll come up to Roberta's and have a pizza Love with to. us in yes. the studio. Yes, so yes, hit us yes. Up. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Cool. And you have been listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are on location in Charlotte, North Carolina. Stay tuned for more episodes and visit heritageradionetwork.org to listen to thousands more. That's all, folks.
0: This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms. Over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval.
1: Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.